Hey, back again with another Greatest Hits episode. This is actually the first show ever, the show that started it all. I can picture myself sitting in Kayvon's apartment and him saying, what's up, man? Get these microphones out. Let's get this done. Uh, I'm glad he pushed me over the top to do it. Uh, and and you might hear in the in the show, he uh, he was playing tug of war with his dog like the whole episode, which made it even more fun. So uh, Kayvon's story is incredible. I really, really think you're going to enjoy this one. This still might be my favorite podcast that I've ever recorded. I uh, hope you enjoy this episode with Kayvon K. Hey, welcome to the BK Show, episode number one. Uh, I've actually been sitting on this audio for quite some time. I took a trip to Vancouver back in February, and I went up there to see Kayvon, who's on this show, uh, Kelsey, Tom, and Christina, uh, Tony and Michaela from Vessi, and my friend Abdul as well. And I went up there to record some podcasts, but unfortunately, this is the only one I recorded. But I'll tell you what, this is one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded so far, if not my favorite. This embodies everything I'm trying to do with this podcast, so I'm glad we're kicking it off on the right foot. Kayvon tells his story from childhood through adolescence through entrepreneurship to where he is today, uh, and there's some low lows and there's some high highs, and really this is everything I want to do with this podcast is tell those stories and then show people who have persevered through all of that to doing what they love every single day of their life. Funny story with this episode. Nearly the entire time we're recording, Kayvon is holding a microphone in one hand and like a chew toy for his dog in the other hand. So uh, definitely towards the end of the episode, you might hear the dog rustling around. But uh, nevertheless, this story is fantastic. So enjoy episode number one of the BK Show with my friend Kayvon K. Oh, man. Welcome to the show. This is my buddy Kayvon K. Tell me about yourself, buddy. That's such a loaded question. I mean, if you will say, tell me about yourself. I mean... In a nutshell, I, I, you know, I, I think to myself, I go, who's Kayvon? Well, Kayvon's someone of uh, over 20 years of sales experience. Now that we've gone in the new decade, I can officially say three decades of sales experience. Um, and Kayvon is a fighter. I mean, he's, you know, with all the triumphs and tribulations as I've gone through my life, just like most people, you know, we've all gone through, we all have our story. But my story starts back when I was uh, in junior kindergarten. I tell people like, you know, that's when... The cave on kind of got developed when I was told that I was never going to make it. Do you say junior kindergarten? Junior kindergarten. All right, so for reference, we're sitting in Canada. I don't yeah, know what yeah, I don't know people, what the fuck junior. I know people don't know what junior out. kindergarten is. Yeah, so it's like preschool. It's before senior kindergarten, I guess. So <laughs> junior kids like junior kindergarten is like half day, where then senior is like full day. Okay. So like before, like let's just say before I even got to grade one, right? I was identified ADD, ADHD, LD, uh, learning disabilities, and reading, writing, math, and communication. Yeah. Like what? What's left? Phys ed. No, but I feel like almost every entrepreneur I've met has yeah. all of that. Yeah, right? it's the truth. And like I think yeah. I think there is a merit to it. And I think it's because the system written us off and we had no other way, or, like we had nowhere to go, but we had to do our own thing. And that's kind of what it was for me. For me, it was always like I started selling and it was me selling myself out of trouble. It was me always trying to sell the teachers or sell the parents or sell the bullies on now they're not bullying me or that I'm smarter than they thought I was or that I thought differently. And it was just a constant struggle and constant battle for me. Uh, and growing up, I, I, I guess, uh, developed this resiliency, developed this like tenacity to not give up and not let people tell me what I can and cannot do. Uh, and I used that and I fueled that passion into kind of where I am today. Um, I love that you took it all the way back. Like that, this yeah. is exactly what I want to do on this podcast is get back to people's childhoods. Cause yeah. when I was growing up, I was told I'm not normal. 
Uh, I don't, I don't act the same way as everybody else. I don't learn the same way as everybody else. And I don't do the things that I should be doing. You know, I'm air quoting here should be doing. And so I love that you took it back there. So like, I'm assuming with these learning disabilities and like you're talking about having to sell yourself in every situation, can you go deeper into that of like what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, bullied? I love it. Yeah. Being bullied. Right. Cause so I grew up in a small Northern Ontario town, Northern Ontario in Canada. And, um, it was, I was the only, you know, Persian kind of family, um, in that town. So not only was I already being bullied for being different, IE being stupid in their eyes, not good enough. Right. Uh, I was also being bullied for just having a different heritage and it was tough. Like, you know, when I look back, it wasn't the kids that were the toughest. It wasn't the teachers that were even the toughest. It was the parents. It was the parents, the dirty looks I got. Uh, people just kept saying how bad I was. It was I wasn't bad. I was energetic. <laughs> I couldn't sit in a classroom, right? And what happened was, and I look back and I had some self-reflection. And what, what was unfortunate was, was being told you're not good enough at such an age, young age and being told that not just by one person, by your community, by the families, by everybody, you start to believe it. So I shut my brain off. I just assumed I was stupid. So I spent 25 years of my life just saying, I'm stupid. I don't get it. I'm not good enough. So I didn't take in the information. I didn't take in all this classic information I probably could have taken in because I was just told it, wouldn't, it wouldn't, didn't matter. No, I'm right there with you. I wasn't good same, enough. So I shut my brain off to, to, to that scholastic piece, and I opened up my brain to the survival so it was a constant survival for me every day it was survival. It was, you know, a good day at school was my parents not having to come pick me up, right? A great day at school was not getting a phone call from, you know, from the principal. Uh, when, when I got home with C's and D's, man, my mom was doing the happy dance, right? And, um, and as, I, as I kept going through all the school and I hated it. I, I mean, I remember till this day where like there were days that weeks and months that like seemed so long and it was just such a struggle and it was so painful. And I, when I look back, it was just because it wasn't a safe place for me. It's like school was not a safe place for me. So it was, there was a lot of traumatic, you know, experiences throughout that process. Uh, but I kept pushing and I kept pushing and in high school. So when I, by the time I got to high school, when they said I never would get to high school, they said, you're never going to get to high school. I got there. Same thing. Think it was different? No, just more, right? Bigger and stronger. And then because my parents came to this country, they, you know, the only goal, right, is, you know, our baby in university, right? And I, I didn't want to let them down. So I was living someone else's dream. So in all this struggle and this pain, I still found myself going through college and then university. By the time I got to university, I was 20 years old. And the resource teacher, so the resource teachers, those people that are supposed to the special needs, they're the ones that are supposed to help you. They're supposed to be your pioneers, man. Like they're, they're, they're supposed to be your champions, right? She told me based off what my results were and based off what she's seen in my, you know, my black book of Kayvon since I was a little kid and can't even imagine how thick that thing was, right? Uh, that I was just stupid, that I didn't have ADD, that I didn't have any learning disabilities, that I was just purely stupid. And I'll never forget when she literally looked at me and said, if you were smart, you, if you're even lucky enough, you would move back to your hometown, Steeltown, and work in the factory like your father. And that's if you're lucky. That's if you leave right now and you go because you're young. But did you buy into that bullshit? Because that's obviously her own bullshit projecting on you, right? Like I did. I did. I bought into it. How do you not buy into that? 21 years old of hearing you're stupid. I mean, at some point, you break. 
So I did. It put me into a big rut. I was depressed. I didn't know what to do because I had all my life, literally I say all my life, because I just remember I had these dreams. I had these passions just like every other child, right? Mine was to be famous. Mine was to be a professional athlete or the rock star. It was to be someone of significance and to have someone and to be something of impact. And I always knew that I was never going to do traditional jobs, like, you know, a lawyer, a teacher, doctor. Like, it just wasn't in my cards and it wasn't for me. And it never really intrigued me. What intrigued me was doing my own thing, being able to be creative. And I used that creativity and I put it in, into sales. And I always dreamed of of just being the, um, and I, like, the, the guy that takes care of shit, you know? Right? Like, bring in the, bring in the, bring in the big boys. Right. And bring in Kayvon and Kayvon comes in and he'll take care of it because I'm out. I, I think outside the box. I do outside things. I don't I don't fit into the norm. And uh, so when I heard all that, it was yeah, it was devastating, man, for sure. I, I still remember today. It was like, what do I do now? Like, is everything I dreamed, everything I worked hard for this, like everything I struggled through? Is it coming true? And it put me into a little bit of a funk. But because I'm a fighter, I never uh, I never gave up. I didn't quit. And, uh, essentially, um, I went back, I moved back to the hometown. I didn't get the job at the factory, but I moved back and I readjusted and I went to a different university, you know, parents were not, I will never forget my dad and I didn't have the greatest relationship, but I'll never forget the call when he said, when it was was like around September time, October, and I left university and he said, I don't care what you do. I don't care where you're at. But by January 1st, you better be in university and click. <laughs> that was oh. a wake-up call for me. I said, oh, man, I'm not going to upset him. And I knew that he was saying, he, you know, again, he never was really strict with me um, because he gave up because I was just so wild. But I, hear, I heard it in his voice. He was just like, just do this one thing for me. So I got through it. I ended up being on the honor roll in university. I opened up my mind. I realized I wasn't stupid. I just learned differently. I realized, yeah, this classic way of, of learning and teaching wasn't for me, but how can I make the system work for me? So I got creative. I made it work. I got the tutors. I got the help. I got the, I got the tests before they were given, right? I, yeah. <laughs> I, I befriended all my teachers. I bought them coffees. I went and drank with them. Like I told them straight out. So I'll, I don't even know how we got here, but th- th- this is what makes me different. The beginning of every class, my last, so the last time around at university, I knew I had to do something different. So I walked up to the, to the professors, introduced myself. My name is Kayvon. You don't know me. I don't know you. But all I do know is this is I've had a hard time with school all my life. They said I would never be here. So for me to be here today is a gift. All I'm going to ask you is to give me, give me an easier time. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll work harder. I'll, I will show up more, right? I'll study extra harder. But I... I'm going to need help. I'm did going you, to need your help. Did you know you were pre-framing back then? No. <laughs> no. That's, you know, I love you said that. No, I didn't. I just knew that they needed to know that I wasn't the bad kid. They needed to know that I wasn't the kid that didn't want to be there. I wanted to be there. So when they saw my marks on the school, on the grades, or they saw the spelling mistakes in the papers, or they saw the, you know what I mean? Like the creativity and the way I wrote and it didn't make sense to them. I wanted them to acknowledge that and realize like I'm trying my hardest. Yeah. And every one of them helped me. Every one of them did what I asked them to do. I said, I want to maintain an 80 average. I want to get on the honor roll. Right. And they did, they did. And you know, and, and I tell people, they're like, well, that means you didn't really deserve to be there. Yeah, I do deserve to be there. You Mm. did it one way. I did it my way. Not many people do it my way. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of courage to do it my way. 
In fact, I should be better. I should be number one on that list because I didn't do it like everyone else. But I ended up getting on there. Like the guy who said that he said that I'd never going to graduate from university, I ended up being on the honor roll, graduating. I ended up taking that with my sports. I ended up being the athlete of the year. I ended up being collegiate athlete of the year for two years. My name's on the freaking banners in this university. <laughs> and you know what I mean? At a university, they said I'd never, ever get into. So that, that, I just talk about the story because that's like the tenacity, as you can imagine. That's like the hard work you have to go through. Life's hard. People are going to tell you you're not good enough. I think I knew from when I met you that you had a chip on your shoulder, right? I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. Um, I didn't realize our story was so similar. Like when I was a kid, I was, I don't want to say a whiz at math, but I was a fucking whiz at math, but I could not show you how I got there. And so the teachers would fail me because I couldn't show my work. And they're like, you must be cheating. And I'm like, no, I just figured it out a different way. And they'd be like, how'd you figure it out? And I'd walk them through my crazy mental process. And then they'd be like, yeah, you're, you, if you can't do it our way, you can't do it at all. And someday you're never going to have a computer, like a calculator in your pocket. It turns out they were wrong. Right. Obviously, but, (laughs) but we have cell phones. My whole life. I was always told like, you're not, again, you're not normal. You're not doing it right. I, I, I struggled to learn the way they wanted me to learn. I struggled to fit in this little box. They told me life existed in. Uh, and so I really like the way you did it of going up and saying, look, I, I might not be the person you need me to be. Uh, you're preframing, right? You're yeah. selling before it's you even knew you, you were selling. It was like, it's a full on preframe for yeah. sure. And it worked. My way was just like, how do I get them on my side? I was so the school system, right? These teachers were like, they were always on the other side of me. They were always playing against me. So my goal was like, this is a new, new world, a new city. I can get them on my side. And how do I got to do that? And I definitely wasn't going to be doing that by getting good grades. Right? How much did sports play into like where, where you could go Everything. or what you could do for university? Right. Cause Everything. I just learned recently you were a pretty darn good football player. Right. Yeah. And even then you told yeah. me a story of a chip on your shoulder and what you were going to do uh, in football, right. All the touchdowns you scored. In yeah. The yeah. Yeah. That was, that's a good story too. Yeah. So between uh, competitive ski racing and football uh, sports played everything. I wouldn't be the man I am today without the sports because the sports again showed it for, in, for me, because I was so energetic, the sports allowed me to take that energy and put it somewhere. So I took all that, you know, all that fuel which was once my fortress and I turned it into my fuel to make it a power of mine. So I got all that energy out on that, whether it was on the ski hill or was it on the football field. And, um, and as you know, in sports, you learn about teamwork, you learn about hard work, you learn about courage, you learn about character. I always tell, I always tell people now, they say, you know, Oh, character, you know, character isn't won when you've won the game. Character isn't built when things are going right. True character is built when you've lost that game. True character comes up when you're sitting in a team and there's 58 people who just lost a championship. How do you rally together and get out there for the next season and win all over again? That's where true character happens. So I learned all those things about hard work, dedication, showing up on time, staying later, right? Outworking everybody. And I learned that at a young age and that's what I had to do. I wasn't going to be always the fastest. I wasn't going to be the smartest. But I always said I was going to be the one that worked outworked everybody. And then... You know, and then through that, it got me to where I needed to be today, which is, you know, and where I'm going. I think you hit a a point there I'd like to touch on, too, is you talked about the character, but a lot more comes from losing. Like, yes, everything comes from losing. I'm a big fan of Gary Vee, and I'm not shy to talk about it. He might be crazy to some people, but he talks about fall in love with losing. And he he nailed it. Right. It's when you lose that you learn the most. And it's it's you know everyone talks about it. it's how you get back up again but it's true like what what did you learn from that moment and then where are you now i, it, I was having lunch with uh, our friend abdul today yeah. how he talked about if you make a uh uh your lifeline on the bottom axis and like happiness on the up and down axis and then you you see how you have the ups and downs yeah. and you see that 
when you lose, usually that goes way back down, right? But you see over time, it's it's a hockey stick trajectory, right? You're only getting happier. And the more you have those dips of your losses, the happier you are in the end, right? It's a long game. It is a long – it's just like the stock market. If you look at the 100-year trend, right? There's, yeah. You can see the peaks. You can reference. see the low and values. But if you look at the 100-year trend, it goes up. That's what your life is. And that's – you see, you just open up a can of worms because <laughs> that, to me, is what most people's biggest problems is. They're not willing to take that step back. They're not willing to get uncomfortable. They're not willing to be wrong. They're not willing to invest. They're not willing to get told that you know they're not good enough or have their idea rejected or, or, to, or be told at the bank that they're not going to be given money so they can do this. They're not willing to do all that pain, so those dips you're talking about, to get that leap forward. They stay consistent. They stay constant all their life. They stay safe. And I knew that if I was going to get to where I wanted to be, safety wasn't going to get me there. So talk me through that, right? You go to university, you made dad happy. Yeah, finally. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I tell you, the day I graduated, the last day I wrote that exam, I'll never forget it. It was the happy, one of the happiest days of my life. It was done. It was over. And never, ever go back. Never, ever go back. And then I realized, now, I'm a, I, now I study. I read books. I, I study, but I study things I want to study. I study things I want to do, yeah. right? And I learn it totally different. And I realized... Uh, man, like I could have learned a lot when I was younger if I would have believed a different, you know, if I had a different belief. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I go. So now, again, small town. You know, I grew up in that town where there's only things you're going to do. You're going to be a teacher, right? You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be the doctor. You're going to be the accountant, or you're going to be working in the factory. That was it. That, that's it. Right. None of those, none of those were the ones I wanted. So, but I knew about the big, bad city. I knew that people wore suits and I knew like that business kind of world, the finance world. So I went out and got my very first corporate job. Um, I got hired to do, uh, it was a sales job, you know, calling out and talking to, uh, to CEOs, CMOs. I remember I was literally my very first day. I just, again, most people don't do it. I just rolled out the Rolodex and started calling Ended up on the phone with the, the CEO of Duracell Batteries. <laughs> and I'm like 23 years old. And I had no, I just still remember to this day. He, he was like, who is this? What do you want? And I'm like, oh, this is Kayvon here. Uh, he's like, I thought you were someone else. Click. <laughs> and uh, I was like, holy shit. But I lasted two days. What were you selling? Uh, we were selling, uh, it, was, it was partnerships. It was marketing partnerships. So it was basically cross-promotion partnerships. So... Like, you know, Duracell batteries with uh, with anything that involves a battery and being able to get them to do a cross-promotion, right? So in this case, for me, because I was heavily in the ski industry, we were trying to get spas, you know, to donate their services or give discounts on their services and put them onto the ski, women's skis, so we can sell more women's skis, buy this women's ski, and you get the spa package type of thing. Uh, and it was all different levels. Um, but I left. I quit three days. You quit? done i put in i put in my papers I'll, I'll never forget it was it was the second day on the job tuesday I had to be there at 9 a.m did the whole driving in traffic and it was tuesday afternoon it was about 1 p.m in the afternoon i was done i was like i called everybody i was like what do you want me to do like what can i do and they're like oh no just just stay i'm like do i have to stay until five they're like yeah i'm like but i'm done yeah stay till i was like done that was it I couldn't, I, I knew that there was not a way, there was no way in hell I was going to stay in something like, you're going to tell me when I can and cannot do something like I'm back in school. 
I was literally back in school all over again. I just left this kind of environment. I just three walked. days in a job and you knew I'm not a fucking employee. I'm not an employee. I knew I was an employee, but I also knew most importantly, I was never going to work in a court, like, like actually in an office. Mm. And I never have ever since that day. Um, and that was the greatest day. Uh, it was, yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm destructive in a, in a, an office. I tell people. Well, and you're living that now. Like yeah. we, you, I talked about being in an office earlier and you're like, I don't know how anybody does that. I don't know you're sitting here at home, which is what I do too. I yeah. love working at home. But people say, I don't know how you work at home. And it's like, exactly. Like it's just, it's to each is their own. But so what happened was I left that job and now I had to figure out, well, what's an in-house, you know, where's a job I can work from home. So called up some networks and I ended up getting some, uh, getting a sales job again. And I was in recruiting. So I started recruiting real estate agents and mortgage brokers and selling to them and go on stages and started doing, uh, actually selling from stage. You were on stages. stage at a job. I was selling. Yeah. So the where, company I was working for at that point, at that time had a product. They had actually a digital, it was uh, back in the day they were t- giving websites. So creating websites for, uh, real estate agents. This was back. This was like 15 years ago before, websites were even a thing right and we were going in and so my job was to cold call offices try to set up the lunch and learns uh so speak to the broker get into the brokerage do a lunch and learn bring in the pizza speak to 50 60 agents and then sell our the sell the product so i was doing that and i was it was very effective there and then i got into the mortgages where we're actually recruiting mortgage brokers to come to our different you know different mortgage houses and uh and then I and then corporate uh, came back in front of me and uh, was uh, working with pharmaceuticals, but this was great because I was in corporation, but I was not uh, not having to be at a desk. I was supposed to be on the road, which was exactly what I wanted. So I ended up my last career job in corporation. I ended up being the number one pharmaceutical sales rep in the country. What kind of pharmaceuticals were you selling? All of them. Everything from the from the dick pills to the heart pills to the high blood pressure pills. Are you going to like doctors' offices? I was going to pharmacies. We were actually going okay. to pharmacies. So I, I mean, we like we had over a thousand SKUs, different different molecules. Yeah. So we were selling again. Here it is, the dropout sciences. I didn't take grade nine. They 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 gave me the pass, the P in uh, in in grade nine science, and here I am selling right pharmaceuticals. Um, but, uh, again, it's, it's, it's about the relationships. I wasn't selling anything. I was building relationships with people. Yeah. But I think it's funny that like, I don't, I don't know anything about your past story. So I love that you're going through it all. And even through all of that, it just screams salesman, right? If anybody talked to you for 10 minutes, they would be like, this dude can fucking talk. This guy can sell. Yeah. 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 And it's funny that that's like the path you went on without even trying, right? You're talking about selling your teachers in grade school. You're talking, yeah. you clearly talked about selling them in university pre-framing. You immediately go into sales jobs. Like I can just imagine you selling dick pills. I kind of want to get you selling them to me right now <laughs> yeah. on the microphone because yeah. I know it'd be a hell of a funny yeah. story. So that was different, right? Because you're not you're not selling the dick pill. You're selling the pricing of the dick pills, right? So it's not it's not so much the feature, the benefits of Viagra. The doctors know Viagra, right? Sure. It's, it's just getting them to buy more Viagra or whatever. You know, in our case, I was generic. So the generic version of Viagra, right? Um, but the same thing happened. The same thing happened. I was number one, I was number one in the country. Uh, again, outworked everyone, blew the, blew the records, and dealing with the corporate espionage bullshit, right? Like, it's just... It was so bad. I couldn't, and I just, in that moment, I was about 30 years old and I said, enough's enough. I'm living everybody else's life. I'm living everyone else's dream. I'm trying to live this corporate life because that's what I was told and raised to do. I went to school. I'm trying to, you know, I'm walking around thinking I'm all this big shot corporate, you know, pharmaceutical sales. And I was miserable. Like I was just miserable inside. And I knew I was like, I can't hold myself back anymore. 
And I actually had, this is the conversation. I, I actually called my parents, almost called like a huddle, like had my own intervention with my family. I called it on and I said, guys, I'm done. I've tried it your way. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to be me. I'm doing me. And I actually had to move. I didn't move just out of the city. I actually moved across the country. And what I, age was that? I was, that was uh, 28, 28, 27, 28. And I, and I, and I just, I could see that my life did not change from 20 years old to 27. Those are pretty important years of your life. And my life didn't really change that much. I didn't like the way I operated, the way I thought, the way I, the way I, the way I approached things, the way I handled things emotionally. Um, my life didn't change. And I realized that like, I can't waste another seven years, end up at 35 and be in this position. And I know that again, see with people that they say, I want, right. You see that I want this. I want, well, I can't wait for that, but they don't realize in order to do that, you got to become a different person. The person you are today is the person you're getting the results of the results. You don't like the results that don't serve you. I knew that if I was going to finally go after and be the man I wanted to be, become that version of myself I always dreamed of, I had to be a different person today. You had to raise your standards. I had not even raise your standards. I had to be a different person. I had to come. I had to come from a different place, and there's no way I could come from a different place when I'm surrounded and I'm living in the same situation that got me to where I was. So I had to give myself that permission to leave, I, and I did. And I called my parents, and I left, and I told my mom. Now, my mom, I didn't tell you in the story. My mom was always my protector. My mom was always there for me. When everyone else doubted me, my mom was the only one that ever, ever was always like, I believe in you, you know, love me, full love. And, uh, and I remember when I called her and I said, Mom, you got to stop calling me. I, I will call you when I'm ready to call you. And people are like, how could you do that to your mother? Well, it's because I had to be incredibly selfish so that I can become incredibly generous. And me being incredibly selfish was me not speaking to my mom. Well, why would you do that? Because every time she would call me, she would say, I love you. You're my everything. She would say, why are you trying to work so hard? You had such a great life. You're that okay is just the way you are. You are great the way you are. I'm great the way... I don't like the person I am. What are you talking about? I'm great the way... You think I'm great the way I am. I'm not great the way I am, Right. So I had to have that break. It wasn't just a physical emotion. It was a spiritual break. It was, you know, it was, it was a break where it's like, I have to be able to let go. I had to walk. See, people talk about going, right? Jumping off the cliff. I talk about, I had to walk through the door. I wanted everything else on the other side of that door, but yet I was standing on the opposite side of the door with everybody else. And I wanted to pull them all through, but there was only one silhouette and it was mine. So I had to give myself the permission to go through that door. And what happens is you go through that door and you're alone and it gets hard. It gets scary. And most people run, run right back. But I knew I, I couldn't, I couldn't run back. I cut, you know, the whole think and grow rich, you know, they say, uh, sink your ships, burn your ships. I had to do that physically, spiritually, mentally, health, everything. I literally burnt my ships. There was no going back. So I love this moment because everybody has it, right? Everybody I've ever met that's an entrepreneur has this moment. Yeah. Can you... Yeah. Can you put into words what got you finally got you to this moment, right? It's kind of like your rock bottom, right? There was Before two you, moments. I, it just so hard to articulate yeah. that. So there was two moments. The first moment when I had to have the realization that I wanted more and I was actually willing to go do more. Right? Then the second moment that most people don't talk about is the moment where you're where the guns point to your head. It's where the character is being built. It's where how far are you willing to break before you can rebuild. 
So moment number one was when I literally stood at this view, literally at this view with my hands up, looking over the mountains. It was a Sunday night and I was in the best shape of my life. And I remember looking and going, wow, like cave on, you finally made it. Like I thought I lived my best self. Like I was like, whoa, I had the, at that time I was in the best shape of my life. I had the corporate job. I was doing, you know, quarter plus million dollars a year working one day a week. I had the company credit card. I was living in this beautiful apartment. Um, and at that point I was dating a girl that I thought, oh my God, I, I thought I had it all. Uh, the next day, that was Sunday, Monday morning, I woke up, my manager calls me and said, the company is changing their com compensation structure and they're going through an acquisition and we don't know if your job will be available. Number one salesperson in the country. And you don't know if my job's going to be available. That was painful because mm -hmm. I had, I lost my identity in that. I didn't know who I was. Later that afternoon, I got an email from my landlord saying that the house that this, this, this apartment, I just called my home for the first time, my new home saying that they're, they, that I have to leave because they, they they had family move in it. On Tuesday, I get a call from my mom and she's in tears and I'm like, what's going on? Find out my dad's going through another round of radiation and chemo. On Thursday, my sister called, my oldest sister calls me and she's in tears. And I'm like, Hey, what's going on now? Like I heard about dad. No, no, no. Dave just left, but her husband just left her with my two nieces. And then I remember on Friday, I was still so, I was still in love and lost that I was like, it doesn't matter. I still have the girl of my dreams. I'm okay. She's going to help me get through this. On Sunday, she actually looked at me face to face and said she could never look at me the way I looked at her and walked out the door. Um, that, like the, all that happened in one week, that was my breaking point in that moment. I, f I actually fell to the ground, not mentally, like physically. And I stayed to the ground. And the, and the funny thing was I was on that ground, literally like physically on the ground for 24 to 72 hours. The only time I ever, you know, the only time I did anything was to crawl to the bathroom and back and just laid, laid depressed, crying. And I realized that I was looking at the door the whole time, waiting for someone to come through that door. Someone to come rescue you. Someone to come rescue me. And then I had this moment where I said, nobody's coming to rescue me. I'd burnt my ships. I told people, don't rescue me. I told everyone, don't call me. No one even knows I'm in this position. So I realized I had to pick myself up. And when I, when I, when I picked myself up and I finally picked myself up, that's a transformation. Not you, that's an internal personal transformation that if anyone's lucky enough to go through it, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's if you're lucky enough to have something like that go through you and you can pick yourself up without any help by yourself, the mental fortitude, the mental strength. Well, when I got up, I was like, I need a change. And that's when I jumped into entrepreneurship. Now, jumping in entrepreneurship, <laughs> thinking that you figured it all out because you had a personal little transformation. Well, I was wrong there. I got in that online game, as you know, and, uh, because I had all the money saved up. I was full of piss and vinegar. I thought, oh my God, I'm the man. I ended up being $150,000 in debt. Eight months later, failing. Fail, 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 fail. And, uh, and I was standing in line at the bank about to claim bankruptcy. And I had no idea. I had no money. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no hope, nothing. And right before the next teller, you know, coming up to the teller, I, was, I had that moment, that epiphany moment where I was like, is this really it? Like, am I waving the white flag? Like, am I going back to my old life? 
am I going to go get a corporate job? And I said, no way. There's no freaking way this is happening. And I, and I remember reading books and hearing you hear Gary V say it, right? What are you willing to do in the next three to five years that most people won't so you can have a life that most people will never live? And I realized, like, what am I willing to do? That was it. I'm willing to be $150,000 in debt. I'm willing to sell everything I have. I'm willing to not know how I'm going to pay my next bill or how I'm going to eat tomorrow for my dream. I was willing to do whatever I wanted, whatever I needed, more than I was willing to breathe. You know what's really crazy? Like, and I, I don't want to discount your story, no, but I yeah. feel like everyone goes through this. Yeah. And to me, it's really, really fucked up how God or whatever you believe in the universe they punch you in the face like six fucking times. You're on the ground, yeah. you're bleeding, your oh, nose yeah. is busted. And they're like, oh, you've had enough. And you're finally like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm rising up like the Phoenix. Yeah. And I'm doing this shit. And then you like try everything and fail. And you're just about to give up again. And the universe just punches you it one more fucking time. Like, you yeah. sure you really want this, bro? Yeah. And that's like between all of that is when everyone gives up. That's what I'm saying. And that's why you just said it is between all that is when everybody gives up, when 99% of the population gives up, they go, I tried it. And the 1% makes it. And then they come back and they say, listen, you got to push hard. They don't listen because again, most people can't, there's two types of people. Okay. In this situation, there's two types of people all this time, but there's in this situation, there's two types of people. There's the ones that when you pull the rug from underneath them and their backs against the wall, they're the ones that actually perform and they make it happen. And then there's ones that actually break. They can't do it. They break. They crumble. Um, and there's not many people who know how to handle that pressure with the back against the wall and can keep pushing forward. And the ones that do end up being in the 1%. I was living in the 99% all my life. I was weakened. I had a crutch. It's probably all you knew too, right? Like what it's you, all I knew. What did your parents? Oh, what did your parents God. do for a living? My, that's, I gave my humble beginnings, man. My dad worked in that factory entire life. He never made more than fifty-one thousand dollars entire life in a year. Yeah. My same. mom was an assistant of assistant of assistant of an accountant. I remember when I got my first job, I was getting paid seven dollars and twenty-five cents. My mom was getting paid the exact same. Wow. Yeah. So we didn't come from money, and my parents didn't know anything about safety. Same with mine, right? Before, dad, before I jumped into entrepreneurship, my mom was a CNA. Yeah. My dad worked at a warehouse. Exactly. My wife right? was a CNA. I was working at a warehouse. Like This was as good as life got, right? That's all I knew. Oh, my God. When I got that, that, that pharmacy job, my, my parents, like they thought, wow, like that was like heaven to them. You it was heaven up. to me. You I thought up. I made it. I thought I made it. I swear to God. I was like, I'm in the big, I was in the NHL. I was in the MLB, whatever you want to call it. Like I was in the big boy <laughs> leagues and I really... And I was so disappointed when I got in there and realized I was playing with a bunch of kids. There's no way, there's no way that a guy like me with zero experience in that world, zero experience on the knowledge of the product, no connections, no, not one connection can become the number one rep in, in, in a year. It tells me, it doesn't tell me I'm great. It tells me I was playing too small. But to be kids. fair, you have a fucking gift. I right? do have a gift. So like the world knocked you down. We all have a gift to be fair. Yours yeah. is yours is in sales. Clearly, you got knocked you got knocked down, you decided to try entrepreneurship. You're $150,000 in debt. Like what did you what have you tried to that point and like what was the epiphany the day you were like I'm I've taken the final punch. I'm ready. Yeah, so so what I tried before that got me 150k in debt was I follow I got into the marketing trap of the business opportunity world. And I was more into the learn how to become a coach, a consultant, a service provider, like, right? Learn how to be the next Tony Robbins. 
I was going to be the next Tony Robbins because I had my transformation. So I can just naturally teach everybody theirs. Right. And, uh, I just got caught up and I wasn't a marketer. I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. And I just got caught up and chasing after the dream and no direction, no mentorship, nothing. And then when I got home that night, when I left the bank and I got home, I had to go back to the roots. I had to ask myself, who am I? What do I do? You know, what are my strengths? And it got back to the fact that I'm a sales guy. I'm not a marketer. I'm a salesperson. It was a, it was a shitty realization there because the only thing I knew about sales was corporate. Like, and I'm like, I got to go back to that. And uh, through some mentorship, I had, a, I had someone who said, no, Kayvon, you're a closer. And I said, closer? What what does that even mean? Instead of trying to be, so he said, instead of trying to be the coach, the hero, the consultant, just go close for them. You got no marketing, don't have to worry about Facebook ads, you don't have to worry about social media, you just, and you take a percentage of what you close. What? Are you serious? And he's, oh yeah, by the way, and the best part, they fill your calendar. What? What are you talking about? You're telling me that I can go close for these people I want to be, they're going to fill my calendar. I don't have to call out. They call me like they book on my appointment and I just got to flap my gums and then get them to buy and I get a percentage. He's like, yeah, where do I start? I said, I don't know. Go online. So I went online, started looking up closer, started looking up high ticket, found my first influencer, ended up having, he ended up doing a $15,000 four day event. I was making 15%. Uh, and I was in Canada and I was making American dollars. That was $2,000 plus a call. Are you kidding me? I didn't take that lightly. Within, within six weeks, I had made $50,000. This is all closing somebody else's product. Closing someone else's product. So help the, the listener, right? Because I was totally ignorant. When I first met you, yeah. you're like, I'm the one call closer. Yeah. What the fuck does that even mean, what right? Does it so I come from mean? this physical product yeah. world where I'm like, drive traffic to a landing page. Uh, you know, hopefully close people on a landing page at like two to 3%. If not, retarget them with the product or with content and drive them back to buying this physical product. And you are, first off, you're not really closing physical products, which no. I think you could. I think yeah. I could point at this fireplace yeah, right here and have you sell yeah. it to me and you'd probably sell me one. Yeah. But like you're selling digital products yeah uh and you're when you say closer the way you describe closer to me made me feel a whole lot better like about what you were doing right because when a lot of people when they think sales they think sleazy like you're yeah. just trying to make that two grand where yeah. where you no, tell i wasn't way. no i wasn't thinking about the money i mean if you think about the money you'll do good but if you think about the impact and the transformation you'll do great and that's just the fact so no i was i was i was i was actually about connecting and, and getting to know people but i was loving it because i was like oh my god i'm in my genius i'm sitting at home <laughs> check right i had no pressure i had i had no pressure because i was in my genius i didn't have to worry about writing an email or putting up a product any of that stuff you know as an entrepreneur so i wasn't an entrepreneur anymore i was what i call like an entrepreneur right so i got the freedom and the luxury of an entrepreneur without the risk and, and the worst, the, not the worst, the best part was I didn't have to call these people. They called me. Like, are you kidding me? If, if anyone sells that knows sales, this is like the luxury of luxury. This is a luxury job. And I treated it like a luxury job. I didn't take advantage of it. I, I worked my ass off. And, and next thing you know, the same thing happened, happened in corporate. I got fired. So what the fuck is going on? So I had to look within. And I got another influencer. 
Instead of 15000 it was 12000 That's okay. I sell more. Same thing happened. They fired me. So what I realized was like, I'm getting fired from all these jobs because I'm, do, I'm too good. And I don't say that with arrogance. It's just what happens is they, say, they, they, they have these goals. You have these commission structures that they set up. This is why I hate it. They, they, they set up these commission structures in hopes that nobody gets them so they don't have to pay them. And then when you, when you achieve them, they got to pay you. Mm. And then when they got to pay you, they don't want to pay you anymore. And they so must they, assume if you can do it, anybody can do it, right? Well, like, let's, no, let's not even that. that it's just they're like, I don't want to, we don't want, we don't want these types of people. People don't want A players. They want B plus players. A players have their own ideas. They have their own creativity. They don't make great employees, right? They wanted, they wanted strong B players who make great employees. I'm not a sheep, right? So, so I, I knew I was like, okay, well, I got to figure something out. So the same the same mentor at that time who showed me about the high ticket asked, hey, do you think we can teach this? Are you kidding me? Can we teach this? I can teach this with my eyes closed. Next thing you know, eight months later, we built a $15 million company. We had over 5,000 students in our program, and we were in 100 different countries. It was like a dream come true. I Now I finally uh, made the dream come true, and then my business partner fucked me. Just took the entire, you know, took the business, ran the business, ran me into the ground. So you're talking about being punched in the face. What, what you want to talk about a swing? How about going from $150,000 in debt to six months later being a millionaire to six months later after that to being $250,000 in debt? And not even fucked over. Like there's way more to this story and I don't know how much you want to yeah. get into it, but like really pushed out and chastised and, and, yeah. and you told a lot of stories last night at dinner that are like, crazy right yeah like crazy crazy thing and, and and people always go there's two sides of story and that's why i never like telling my story i'm silent on my story because there's always two sides of story and and when when people hear my story it's oh it's a disgruntled employee or you know right. what it is so i just don't tell it because what i know about the truth is the truth will always come out right and i know what my truth is and i know what happened and i know what i did and i know how i did it and i know how i built the damn thing so that will come out one day. That's why I don't really talk about it. But have you ever looked at it from the outside as, as like every time you've been punched in the face, it's been pushing you towards where you should be? Yeah, I do. I look at well, I look at it from two ways. So that's great. Yeah, I look at it that way. Like, I mean, I'm happy it happened. It made me stronger. It made me grow. Right. I, I had to think differently. I had to think bigger. But I also had to look within and go, why is this always happening to me? There's 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 a common theme here. You can't just it can't be the blame the blame game. You know, the whole to me, by me, through me concept, right? I, you know, I spent 30 years of my life, right, to me. Everything's happening to me. And then I spend a couple of years of my life, everything has to happen by me. So if it's going to get done, it's going to get done. Now I'm at a point in my life where I realize it, it, it has to be through me. I got to empower other people. Circumstances didn't happen to me. They didn't happen by me. They happened through me and I have to look at that and I have to look within and change the way I operate, change the way I think, change. I, I, I say it in, in other words, I say, I don't play nice. <laughs> I'm not an, I don't play nice. And I have to realize no matter if I'm corporate or in this uh, entrepreneur world, solopreneur, entrepreneur, whatever it is, is you gotta, uh, you gotta be able to play nice. You gotta be nice. You gotta play nice with people. But look, I feel like from what I've heard from you, that you played nice back then too, but you were kind of an employee, right? Yeah, you were kind of someone's bitch. Well, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Like, you, like you I was, I was, I was misled, over. right? I was misled. You know, we had a business partnership, right? Mm. Someone comes to you and says, "Hey, let's build a business. You're going to be thirty percent. I'll be seventy percent. But you do your job, I do my job." And I said, "Done. Let's go do it." 
and I go do my job and I take it from zero dollars, I hire the entire the entire executive staff, I bring on everything, I do everything, and now we start making money, and now I get a haircut and get a haircut and get a haircut, keep getting a haircut, but now I don't even care about the money. I'm so passionate. I'm built, I built a baby man. I built my own thing. Like I'm building something. And I, and I didn't do it all alone. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know what I mean? I wouldn't, the idea is the most important. The idea wasn't me, right? I was the integrator. I was the executor. I just did all that. So yeah, you know, when it was ripped underneath me, it was, it was, it was, it was a hard, I was, you want to talk about trauma, man. That was traumatic. And then everything that came after the residual effect that's still to this day, to the day I still have the residual effect because the story, the, the truth isn't out yet, but it'll come out. And I, and I can't wait for that. Because all those people that doubted me, all those people that looked that had bad eyes, you know, evil eyes towards me, they're going to look like idiots. And they're going to say, shit, I wish I would have done business with him. And that's what I look forward to. And I'm confident with when that. You're I'm telling, so damn confident with that. <laughs> when you're telling me this, it brings me back to when I first met you. So it was about a year ago. How long before a year ago did this happen? Yeah, yeah, that was just happened, right? It, just it was happened? like It was like two, three months. You and were you a saw fucking it. mess when I met you a year right? ago. Yeah, I was a mess. Yeah. Remember? That's the third time. Remember? Yeah. That's the third time. That, and that was different because I'll tell you this. I heard this and it's like I projected this. I swear to God, I projected this. I heard this when I was younger. They say it's better not to have it than to have it and lose it all. It's way harder. And I had it and I lost it all. And it was hard. It was, I mean, it was like six-figure months to zero-dollar months and trying to maintain a six-figure month lifestyle. I remember meeting you at this mastermind and – you're loud right like you're oh, yeah. you're you're a presence you yeah. literally trademarked your fucking name dude you're a you are a you're a <laughs> yeah. unique individual yeah <laughs> uh and i met you and i'm like number one immediately i could tell like you have a presence and you can fucking speak i was like man this dude can talk uh and then like immediately i saw the fragile side of you and i think the very first the, the very first time i met you was at a mastermind where uh, a mutual friend of ours now elliot yeah. Uh, was there and he was kind of talking about a lot of mindset stuff and a lot of limiting beliefs and he just singled me and you out of the room right and just yeah. kind of we were both like fragile little beings a year ago of like and it man hearing this story really you saw the transformation yeah, you it, saw the bottom and you saw me build myself back up again but it's like, we're still not there of, i don't lie to people we're still not there we're getting there but it but sets this whole framework totally of who world. you were a year yeah. ago, right? Yeah. Like, and I do want to talk through where you've been this last year because yeah. you're a different fucking guy a year yeah. later. You are not the guy I met a year ago in California. You're no. not. You're way different. And, I, and I'd love to talk through some of the things that you've done to to shift that, right? Like, Yeah. Well, yeah. So, man, that, that was – so if I look back on the year, the biggest one was internal. It was internal work. I do a lot of it. Like – I had to, I had to re again, what got me to where I was is not going to get me to where I wanted to go. And again, where I want to go tomorrow is not going to get like the things I'm doing today are not going to get to me where I want to go tomorrow. So every day I wake up and I realize that I'm like, if I want what I want, I got to change what I do. And I, I became really more cognitive of who I was. I accepted things in my life. I accepted that I wasn't, you know, perfection isn't something we should be working towards. Excellence is what we should work towards, right? Uh, I went through another internal struggle. I went through another internal transformation. And this time I realized like, this is it. Like I realized like I'm not waiting or relying on anybody anymore. It's all me. I'm going to build it. I'm going to build a team to support me, but I'm not going to ask for people to help me. I'm not going to ask for people to do it for me because 
I'm going to, and I am building it. And when I build it this time, nobody's going to take it away from me because it's mine. How much of the, the you know, the, the burnt partnership, how, like, how much did that affect your, like, uh, you know, the, oh, our friend Bree always talks about yeah. the four conditions of worthiness, right? Like, yeah. I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not smart enough. Yeah. Uh, and then there's always that rescue me. Yeah. I have the same thing. I always want to partner with somebody. I always yeah. want somebody to come do it with me, right? So yeah. how much did that burnt partnership, it, it, how long did that it, set you back? And like, what months, what hurdles years. did you have to get over? Well, I mean, it's, for the whole year, it set me back. Yeah, I, You know, it, it set me back heavily for the first four or five months because, it was just par- I was paralyzed. I was numb. That was a traumatic experience, right? Um, so it, it, but but again, through time, again, it just through constant, constant work every day, just a little work here. You know, Elliot, like you said, had a huge part of it, right? We did a lot of work together, but it was just a constant chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and the next thing you know, you kind of find yourself again. And if there's anything I realized through that process, like shit, I am good. First time in my life, I can say, yeah, I am good. Damn, look at what I've done. Look at what's happened to me. Look what I've done. That's not by accident. That's not fluke anymore, right? That's hard work, tenacity. That's skills. Uh, so I just tap into that. Like, again, the stories. You can tell your story, and you can tell yourself, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. Or you can rewrite your story. You can tell yourself a new story. You can change the way you think to change the way you look at yourself in the mirror. And it's not easy, man. I'm, I'll never sit here and tell people it's easy. It's freaking hard. Every day it's hard. Every day. You just said it. Every day, this is what I think success is. This is what I've realized this year. Success is simply this. Every day, you, me, everyone wakes up with the two same feelings. We either feel like we're not good enough or we're not worthy enough. The distance between how fast I catch that and change that thought is the distance of how successful I am. I guarantee you the rock wakes up every single day. And not the first thought, but in his mind throughout the day, there's a little piece that's like, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm good enough for this movie. I don't think I'm worthy enough for this movie. But he treats that and takes that with so much different power. The way he operates around that thought process, the way he catches it, and allows him to move forward. Most people, they sit in it. They sit in the, I don't think I'm good enough. They sit, I don't think I'm the worthy enough. And they sit in it for days, weeks, and months, and nothing ever gets done. The yeah, I think that's the one thing I've realized yeah. as I continue to meet more and more entrepreneurs. And, and myself, level up, the thoughts never go away. I was telling you, I've had these microphones in my bag up here, and I'm fighting myself. You to, were fighting to yourself. Something. You were. You, 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 got, you, you know, you said today you asked someone to do it and they were fighting you a little bit and you never did it. You came in here and you're like, you want to do a podcast? I'm like, let's do a podcast. And I had to ask three times, let's get it up. Let's get it set up. And look at us. We're probably almost an hour in now, if not more. Talk more like, you know, and how great is this? But we fight, we fight those limiting beliefs all the time. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Elliot, right? Obviously you did some work with him. Yeah. I've done some work with him. Uh, hypnotherapy is a whole different conversation. Like, yeah, we're not going there. We're not going there. I really yeah. want to get into it, but yeah. but really, you, you attack those limiting beliefs. So, what what kind of tools can you give anybody that's listening when that <sighs> when their belief system boils up? And if anybody who's listening doesn't know what your belief system is, simply think about that thing you should be doing right now. Yeah, right. You got it in your head. Now I'm looking you dead in the eye and I'm saying, hey, we're gonna go do this today, right now. And immediately that should give you a little bit of a pain in your chest. And immediately all those thoughts fire off in your head of, oh, we can't do that because of this or this or this. Or this. That's your belief system, right? Yeah. And so what gives you every day when, that, when you wake up and that shows up, what gives you the ability to step around it? Well, that you just said it in there is unfortunately you got to do the work and figure out where it shows up in your life. You got you to be cognitive of it because if you're, if you're in denial of it or if you don't see it, how can you ever catch it? 
So for me, I did the work and I feel it in my body. So when I feel that pain in my body or I feel that energy coming up in my body, I now know, wait a minute, why is this coming up? And I actually stop and have that internal conversation. Why is this coming? Why am I starting to feel fear? Oh, because this is making me feel not good enough. Well, making me feel not good enough is just stuff that happened from my past. But my past doesn't reflect my future. So, okay, Vaughn, you have two options. You can either sit here and let this affect you and let this affect your day and be a little baby about it. Or you can change it right now and fight those demons. That's what I do on a constant every day. I'm a fucking yo-yo, man. Like, I'm a, I used to be a yo-yo. Like, one day you meet me, I was going to be the king of the world. The next day, I was like, I'm the bottom of the world, right? And I had to learn how to control those emotions, control those, those thoughts. And, I, and I, every day, I have to ask those questions. Like, you know, are you, are you in your higher self? Is this real? Is this fear real? And, and one of the things I do, which people, I don't tell, you know, don't talk a lot about, is I also give myself permission to be in those thoughts. So if, if, if feeling fear or feeling I'm not good enough is making me feel good in that moment, I ask myself the question, Kevin, are you okay with it? Are you okay with the fact that the next two, three hours, you're not going to be productive? The next two, three hours, you're not going to be in harmony. The next two, three hours, you're not going to give yourself an opportunity to grow. Are you okay with the fact? Is being in fear more comfortable for you right now than getting out of it, facing fear, and being in that kind of harmony? Sometimes I ask the question, I go, yeah, I'm okay with it. And I'll give myself the permission to be in it. Then there's other times where I'm like, no, I'm not okay with it. Because I know in three, two, three hours, I'm going to be pissed off at myself that I let myself get there. And then I just switch and I go do it. I like that you ask yourself that. I'm always asking myself that question. Steve August, the friend we both know, he always tells me dance with it. Dance with it. It's going to be there every fucking day. Yes. Every day it's going to show up. Don't fight it. That's what I used to do. I used to fight. I used to run with it. I used to run away with it. Right. Because if we don't, if we don't, it's the hardest thing. We're talking about some real stuff here. Right. Mm. Most people don't even know what we're talking about at this point. Right. (laughs) They're like, what are these guys? You know, these guys. But if you run away from that emotion, if you run away from that fear all your life, you're just never going to be able to handle it. You're never going to be able to identify it. Now, I don't run away from it. I don't just run to it. I just what you said. I dance with it. I play with it. I, you know, I kind of see where it's at. And I know and I've realized it's always going to be here. So, again, this the world, this perfection of it being gone forever is a lie. The world of excellence, knowing it's going to be here, it's how I deal with it every single day that's going to get me forward, gives me the freedom and it allows me to deal with it in a different light. It allows me not to be so hard on myself. It allows me to not be so restrictive in the way I think and hold me back. Because we know when we're in fear and we're in restrictiveness... It holds us back from possibility. It holds us back from creativity. holds us back from being able to be in alignment and in harmony, which gets us where we want to go. It's crazy to me how it just keeps showing up at new levels, though, right? Like, I yeah, remember it's... when I first started and I started my first store, it took me months to just, just to get it running. And then when I finally did, I, I, mean, I, I might have made $1,000 a month, which was so amazing back then. And I'm like, oh, I'll never be able to make two. And then I made two. And I'm like, yeah. oh, two is cool. That was easy. And I got I broke that belief. And immediately, it just keeps going up, right? The next one's there. The next level's there. And, and you know, Joe Rogan calls it conquering your inner bitch. It shows up yeah, every day, no matter exactly. what. It's yeah. always there. And it's just a new level of, oh, you can't. You know what I mean? And then you either sit there and you get fearful and you get sad about that you can't. Or, or you break through that new level, and then all of a sudden you have a new I can't. That's the, the it's, you know, as I said, it shows up for everybody at different levels. And the more, you just said, the, the way you can handle it is the difference between you're going to get there or not. 
And anyone that thinks it's going to go away is delusional. It's never going to go away. In fact, it probably shows up even more when you get to higher levels because there's more at risk. There's more things to lose. There's more reasons to be wrong. There's more people that are looking at you. I can hear people saying, at least from my old world where I came from, probably family too, sorry family, saying, well, then what's the point? Why not just live this mediocre fucking life? Then live it if you're happy with it. Yeah. To me... I want people to be happy, but average, average is hell on earth to me. Average is hell on earth. I've just known my whole life that I was meant for something more. I don't know what it is, but I always knew I was meant for something more. Yeah. So I I, I love this talk. I could talk about the shit that boils up for me all day long because it's it's it affects every single person listening to this, whether they want to admit it or not. But I want to move into sales, right? You obviously like you built an entire worldwide global program for your mentor your business partner who eventually just scaled you down and down and down until he just wrecked you right um and there's a whole lot more to that story but like you had to hit rock bottom and now you have to turn around and say i'm gonna build this for myself right so talk to me about like how you have built what you have going on now what you have going on now and tell me a little bit i want to hear about how do you close man yeah so i mean so I had it again. You, you learn. So we, I learned. You know, when we built this awesome business and stuff, dude, we obviously we there was also a lot of things that didn't work. So I took, I wanted to build something different. I didn't want to go out and build the same thing over, right? Because it's just putting lipstick on a you know on a pig, right? So I wanted to rebuild it, but I wanted to come from a different place. So the first place, the first business we built was self-serving. It was about how big can we get? It was you know how much more people can we have in our? It was just so self-serving. I wanted to build something. I wanted to. I don't talk a lot about this to a lot of people because it's like, it's a big, the audacious goal. But like, if you think about people, um, if you think about the Sandler training or the Brian Tracy training, the Zig Ziglar training, I want people worldwide to know the cave on training. So in order to do that, I knew that I had to not just build some, some online course. I had to build a ship. Like I had to build a system. So I had to build a place where, okay, if closers came to me, if salespeople came to me, if people wanted to come to me, they wanted to learn, they wanted to grow, they wanted to train, they wanted to get better at sales. Well, then what do I do with them after? I can't just say, hey, put you out in the world. I have to give them something. So I wanted to build a system where if you came to me, you train with me, and you're lucky enough to get on my team, you're going to get a six-figure income out of the gate. So in order to do that, I needed fulfillment. I needed to be able to give them opportunity. So instead of working on the course, I started building the other chapter, the other leg, which is the fulfillment side. So I ended up actually going into different companies and doing consulting and ended up being their uh, sales director. So now I have these clients that have me in there as their sales director. We come in, we run the entire sales department, and then what I do is I bring my salespeople, right? So my trained closers over to close those, those deals with them. So it's now a system because now I have an ecosystem where I'm taking people who never had dreams or who didn't know how to make money or people who just wanted to make an extra five, 10 grand a month. And I'm actually giving them not just a skill, but an opportunity to do that. On the other end, I'm helping other business owners make more sales, which make more impact. And I realize that's the true ripple effect. That's the ripple effect there is my closers that I train are now closing for other people who's helping their lives change. Those people get their lives to change in their, you know, in their families. I've never met them. I've never seen them, but that was all because of me. That's the true ripple effect. 
Nice. So, like, you obviously you you go into companies, and so I know some of your clients. You go in there and you help them close the deals, but help the listener understand exactly what you do. Yeah. Like, what are you teaching? In, like, you have a course on this stuff, right? Yeah. Like, you want to yeah. help people. So I, it's called the Seven Figure Closer Program, and it's and it's a six it's a six module program where you come in and if whether you've been a closer or a salesperson or you've never been, it's it's set up so you can pick where you're at. And you go through it, and when you come out of it, if you like, say if you've never been in sales or you've never done sales, you come out of it and you have the skills and you have the knowledge and you have the ability to go out and get an opportunity for yourself and or get on my team and start making some extra side income. Uh, if you're in sales and you want to learn those nuggets, you want to learn how to go from being you know eight out of ten to ten out of ten. It's also set up for that. So the way it works is my clients, they do the marketing. They have services. We sell services, not products, right? So five, 10, 15, 20, 25,000 dollars services. And they they send their traffic to my team. My team books the call, and we get on the call and we have the conversation with their clients. And we talk to their clients and we learn about their clients' pain. And learn what they're looking for. Learn where they want to go. The same thing we just talked about. The struggle. And then we bridge the gap, meaning we talk about, well, if you were to work with us and we were to show you the step-by-step process, what does it look like then? But I think right? salesmen have a bad name, right? Like salesmen have a bad name. When you start talking about being a salesman, people start thinking sleazy. So yeah. I want to hear the difference, right? So yeah. imagine, so, let's say I so, sold some stuff. Like I'm pretty good at Google AdWords. Yeah. I'm pretty good at SEO for e-commerce. Let's say I wanted to create a course on this. Wink, wink. Maybe that's coming. Uh, and and I wanted to send traffic to you. I want to help. I want to help people win more. I want to help them grow their businesses, right? Uh, and I. I drive a bunch of traffic to my website where I get them to sign up and give their phone number. And then I send them off to Kayvon, yeah. who's going to do the closing for me. Yeah. Uh, and so some people would be like, oh, he's going to try to sell them. Yeah. They might not need it. They might not need it. Yeah. So that great. So my number one philosophy, if you know me, if you, if you even look me up, is you'll see that my number one philosophy is never act, do, be, or sound like a traditional salesperson. So in my training, I teach people, we're not salespeople, we're doctors. And we hold frames like doctors and we act like doctors. We don't act like salespeople. It's not about the it's not about the latest deal. It's not about pushing peach. If I have to push my features and my benefits on you, I'm selling you. I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing the job of cave on. Okay. Uh, I'm asking you questions. I'm trying to figure out what your problem is, what your pain is. Just like you go to a doctor, the doctor asks you questions. They come in, they pre-frame. Do they smile? Do they act like your best friend? No. They tell you about the latest deal? No. They come in, they ask questions, they diagnose. So that's what I teach. I teach people how to be able to frame the call properly. You said pre-frame it. I teach them how not to be excited. This isn't. It's not supposed to be exciting. And in fact, the process, the sales conversation should be unpleasant if it's done properly. Dive into that. Tell me what you mean by that. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. Meaning... If I'm doing my job properly, I've opened up some wounds or I've opened up some pain. So you, you, you're coming to me because you want to learn how to have a better business. Most people are going to sell, well, my product's this, and this is what it's going to do for your business. And it's going to give you this, and we're going to make you more money. Well, okay. Traditional sales, how's that working out for you? My job isn't to do that. My job is to actually figure out why your business isn't working. Why do you think it's not working? What have you tried in the past? What haven't you tried in the past? What does success look like for you? What do you think stopping you? Why us? I tell people, I don't tell you why I'm great. I get you to tell me why I'm great. Why do you want to work with me? There's a lot of people out there. 
Oh, I worked with Tony Robbins in the past. You worked with Tony Robbins? Wow. He's the best in the business. Why us then? Why would you even want to come to us? You see, I, 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 I keep control of the conversation. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about that you teach is keeping control, right? And so it's very easy for the person calling to get defensive. Oh, um, yeah. And so how do you, how do you control somebody yeah. who's already coming in it. with the mindset of this isn't going to work? And the moment you drop a price tag, right? They don't know the price yeah. usually. And so when you tell them 5, 6, 10, 15 grand, they're going to be like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, so the person who's asking the question controls the game. If you're the one answering the questions, so prospect comes on, uh, tell me about the product, salesperson answers. How long have you been doing the product for? How long have you been in the business? Done. Conversation's done. You've lost control. The person who can control the conversation by asking the right questions at the right time with finesse controls the conversation. Being a high-ticket closer is literally, it's like being a doctor and being a psychologist all in one and being able to connect to the product because I have to get you to realize I, my job is not to sell you. My job is to ask the right questions. So you're selling me on why I should let you into my program. Why should I let you even purchase the program? If I had to sell you the program, if I had to pitch you it, I'm doing traditional sales, right? It doesn't work. Number one, number two, you're going to refund or you're going to not do the work. I got to get you to claim it. So I tell people, I don't sell people. I connect with people. Closer is a sexy word, but it's not. We're not closing you. We're providing you information. We're providing you a, a roadmap for success, and we're giving you a door. You just have to figure out if you want to walk through that door or not. Well, if you take it back to all the stuff we were talking about earlier, how everyone has these limiting beliefs that you're breaking through, you're you're breaking you're through those. I'm breaking through those you're limiting beliefs. Yeah, yes. you're, you're helping them walk through all this stuff yeah. and realize that the service that you're providing is needed. Is needed. Yeah. Or they wouldn't be on the call. Listen, if there's no pain, there's no sale. Okay. The bigger the pain, the bigger the opportunity. So if someone comes to me and like, again, I always tell people, I don't do traditional sales. So I don't call out to people. I don't chase people down. I'll let the marketing do that. I only speak to people who are 80% sold, or why am I speaking to them? We live in a world of marketing. We live in a world with something called Google and Facebook ads and funnels. Why would I have to do that when I can let the marketing do that for me? Webinars. Let them do that. When they come to me, they already know the product. They already know what they're going to get. What they don't know is the price. What they don't know is it the right thing for them or not. It's my job to figure out if it's the right thing for them. If I have to sell them again, if I have to justify, right? Justify my value sell them the features, sell them the benefits. I'm doing a traditional sales job. It's not what I teach. I actually would get out the phone. So I would assume you have like a five-step framework or something of that sort, right? Uh, you call yourself the one-call closer. Yeah. I love it. I love that you, yeah. you're bold enough to say that. So what is the framework of the one-call close? Yeah, so the framework is basically like this. is In the call, if it's done properly, is we set up the call. It, it's a philosophy. Again, you're, you, you got to act like a doctor. So you got to control the frame. You're not excited. You're not rude. You're just, you're, you're literally diagnosing the problem. So when I get on the call, I preframe the call. Hey, it's, you know, usually they call me. Here's, here's one of them. If I call you, what am I? Salesperson. But when I get you to call me, what do I become? The expert. So I get people to call me. They book on my calendar. They call me. I pick up the phone. Kayvon speaking. Oh, Kayvon, blah, blah, blah. Who's in control right now? Me or them? Uh, you are. I'm in control. To right out you, of the right? gate. They're excited. I got, I'm got. i in control. Okay, well, well, you know what, Ben? Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to figure out a little bit about you. I'm going to ask you some questions. 
find out a little bit more about your business, where you want to go, what the driving force behind all that is. And then what I'll do is I'll take you a little deeper in what we got going on here and we'll see if it's the right fit. How's that sound? Okay, great. So I just, this is what I call the pre-frame the call. That's what I do. Step one. So now step two is I got to identify your needs, the desires. So tell me, Ben, how, how, what was the motivation to hop on the call with us? And you tell me. Right. Pain. And I go deep, 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 deep in all the different questions. What's working? What's not working? How long have you done this? What's holding you back? Everything. Every question you can think of. It's copywriting 101, right? Like right. identify the pain and then yeah. find yeah. every different angle you can every. look at this pain to drive it home. Exactly. Right. And then and keep going. Now, there's three levels of pain. Most people don't understand that, right? Level one is surface pain. Level two is financial pain. Level three is personal pain. Most people don't even get the financial pain. They stay on the surface pain because they're so scared of themselves. Meaning, oh, my business isn't working. My Facebook ads aren't working. Hmm. Okay, let's talk about that. No. Okay, well, as a result of your Facebook ads, your, you know, your, your, your Amazon being an asshole to you, how's that affecting your business? Well, I'm having a hard time making the bills. Oh, shit, you're not going to make payroll. How long has that been going on? How long can that go on before something breaks? Right? That's level two. What about level three? You want to make, make some serious... Okay, well, as a result of the Facebook ads not working and you can't pay the bills and you're not, you know, salespeople are not getting leads and things are just not working. I mean, how's that affecting you at home? I mean, how do you look at yourself in the mirror? Did you ever think at your age that you'd have a business that was doing so good but failing in so many ways? That's personal pain. You get to that. It's over. It's over. Because now what do I do? So that's step two. Well, step three is I got to lead what we call is leading them. So Ben, the reason your business is doing this, the reason you're having an issue with this is because you're operating like this. And the one thing we know is everything we get in our lives is a direct reflection of what's going on, on the inside. So the first thing we're going to have to do and we're going to have to discover is figure out what's happening with you as the entrepreneur, as the, as the operator, because it all starts with you. So we got to first figure out that because when we give you the systems and the tools, then you're going to be able to actually use them properly. Because if I just give them to you now, you're just going to continue operating the same place with a different, different bow. And it's not going to actually serve you. Would you agree? I agree. Yeah. Okay. So suppose. So you see how I just led you? Do you see how I indirectly led you to where I want you to go? You just, you just admitted to me that you know you need a change. You just admitted to me that you know that in order for your business to grow, it's going to start with you. So I got your commitment already. Right? I've already got your buy-in. So now suppose, step four. Suppose we were, hypothetically, I can't make promises, but hypothetically, we were, we were to work together. What does success look like? I mean, if we drew a line from today to eight months from now, what does success look like for you? It's called... Do you find they work their, their way back through those three levels of pain, or do they immediately go like financial? No, they, they'll tell me what back. success is, right? So most people will be like, oh, I'd be making money. Most salespeople are like, great, let's make money in commissions and let's get this right. deal done. No. Oh, what does money mean to you? So, uh, do you? so do you work your way back through? Do you say, I bet you and your wife are getting along better. I bet you I, can look yourself in the mirror. I don't. I you they can, do. I bet you fill I up don't. your payroll. I don't. I don't. Thank you. Philosophy. If I say something, it means something. Sorry. Yeah. When they say something, it means everything. Meaning, if I say... Oh, you're going to have a better relationship with your wife. You're going to be able to pay rate, payroll. Your business is going to be, it means something. When they tell me they're going to have a better relationship with their wife, it means everything. 
Does it make sense? So do you direct the call then? If they immediately say, I'm going to make more money, do you yeah. take them back to those levels no, of pain No, they're going to make say, more money. What would that do in your home life? No, no. They go, that's oh, going to make more money. What does that mean to you? How much are you talking about? Let's get specific. I'm going to go on vacation. What vacation? Where? Who? What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get them to their promised land. I'm trying to get them to realize that they are capable. They're worthy. They can do it if they have the right systems, the right tools. But if they don't even know where they want to go, how are they going to invest into it? See, most people, they think they know where they want to go, but they actually have no idea where they want to go. They don't actually know what success looks like to them. They don't know that actually they don't really want to go on five vacations a year. They just want to go on one amazing vacation. They want to be able to have this. They want to be able to do that. I got to figure out what those are. I can't tell them what they are. They got to tell me what those are. So I got to dig deep and dig deep until we have a perfect picture. Now, imagine, you know exactly where you want to go in a year. You know what your business wants to do. You know how your relationships are going. You know what your health wants to be like. You know the impact you want to make. You know the significance you want to have. You now know all of this because I've asked you the questions. I never told you. You've now claimed what you want your future to look like. Well, now I got to get step five. Got to get to the commitment. How committed are you to making all this happen? Because if you're not committed, if you're not committed today, then I'm not going to tell you my price. Because there's no point. I need to get a commitment from you before I tell you my price. Because if, you, if, if I get that commitment from you in every which way, well, then when I tell you the price and you say you can't do it anymore, you're lying to me. Right? Because if you mention price too early or too late, you don't get the sale. So you got to mention at the right time. And right now is the right time. Because I've just got your commitment. So, okay, well, if you want XXX, right? You want the future we just talked about and you want to get out of your pain. You want to get your solution. It's only going to be $15,000. And here's what you're going to get. And then you go through your value. Step six and then step seven, sign the deal. But here's the thing what most people do. They ask for the sale. Never ask for the sale. Never ask for the sale. I always say, where should we go from here? What should happen next? They claim the sale. Because if I ask for the sale, then I'm selling them. They claim the sale. They tell me they want to move forward. And you want to know what? You're going to love this one. These are now tricks. When they say to me, K1, can we move forward? I always act like I don't hear them. And I say, sorry, what was that? I make them say it twice <laughs> because it's called a verbal handshake. When they say it twice, that second time they say it, they actually mean it. They feel it. It means something to them. Well, this is why, this is why I love like just even having a conversation with you. Like when you're in your zone of genius, there's nobody that does it better. Like I've never met anybody that talks the way you talk. I've never met anybody. Like I always bring up that deal you brokered that yeah, doesn't suck. even exist at this point. Yeah. But I bring it up constantly because you were just having fun. You kick your feet up and you fucking love this stuff. Man. Yeah. Like, I, I truly, truly started this podcast to find people who are passionate about what they do because it makes you wake up every day and want to do it. Like you're smiling right now just thinking about this. Yeah. Well, because I'm in my genius. I love it. Again, three. Remember, we started the conversation three decades of this. 20 years of this stuff. And, and what I love is that nobody does what I do. I finally remember I said I want to have my own sales training program. I really do. Nobody looks at sales the way I do. So I took all those, you know, full circle. Everyone told me I wasn't good enough. They, you know, all the punches in the face. And I took all that and I was creative with all that. And I've created my own system. I've created a new way of selling, a new way of connecting. 
I, I created a way to helping people achieve their dreams, helping them to accept and actually claim their dreams without, without having to be a traditional salesperson, the used downtown car salesperson. What I love about you is what you said earlier too, to bring it back. You're not only helping me, like let's say I'm selling something and you're closing for me. You're not only helping me impact more lives, you're helping the people who are becoming the closers make real money. Right. So let's talk about that just for a second. Like this is not just, uh, you know, a course. This is a biz opportunity, right? This is Somebody a huge could take opportunity. Your, your course, learn how to do this, and go help someone like yeah. me, uh, and and make good money doing so, it, right? So, like, just in the last three months, I brought one of my best friends. He moved to Paraguay with his wife, married a girl woman in Paraguay, Canadian, can't get a job, doesn't speak the language. Yeah, he finally called out to me. He said, "Hey, do you think I can help you?" I said, "I can definitely help you." Three months later, he's making more money than he's ever made in his entire life. You know how cool that is. I had another. I had one of my clients. We made her a millionaire in six months. Turned her into a millionaire. I love that you're playing both sides. Like, to do you me, know how that, cool that is? To me, that's amazing. That yeah, you're helping, you're helping both the entrepreneur who's impacting a ton of lives, but you're also helping a lot of people get off their couch and do something yeah. amazing. Because I, I believe. So in my, it's not. I don't believe everybody deserves a chance. It's just not my philosophy. I believe in every classroom. There's one person like a cave on, and they're being no question, and they're not being loved they're not being told they're not being shown an opportunity and i just want to reach that one person that every that one that one cave on in every classroom if i can touch them and change their lives i I, i'm happy with that i can't change everybody's life i'm not going listen i'm not here to help be like a tony robbins i said let tony robbins do what tony robbins does that's not what i do i want to be in the business of helping winners win more i want to help the i want to help 80s 80 percenters to go to 100 percent the eights to tens not the twos to eights I'm okay with that. To put it in perspective, if you're that cave on listening to this right now, there's actual money to be made there, right? You're yeah. talking about you more know, money than 10, doctors make. Somewhere between 10 and 20% of the sale yeah. is going to the closer typically, it's right? It's going, exactly. You just said it. Anywhere between 10 to 20% goes so to the closer. Do, so, do some simple math, right? If you're selling a $10,000 offer, that's one to $2,000 going to the closer. Yeah. And get this, done in 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Right. You're making 30, 30, in 30 minutes to 45 minutes, you're making 1000 to $2,000 a call. You're not going to be – listen, I tell people. This is, I'm, I'm realistic. You're, if you're someone who wants to make $100,000 a month, unless you're closing really high-end products, it's, it's going to be hard to do as a closer. You're going to have to scale. But if you're someone who's saying, man, I'm happy with 15 20K a month, 30K a month. Like I don't want any more. I don't need any more than that. And I want to be able to live a lifestyle – it's a lifestyle. Work from home. Work from anywhere you want. You know, you're not stuck to just your house. You can work anywhere in the world. Travel. And I'm cool with that. It's the best life. It is literally the best thing you can do. Well, you know how gonna... hard it is to open up an e-commerce store. No, how no. hard it is to drive traffic. It's not that hard to pick up your gun, your, your, the, pick up the plastic, flap the gums for 35 minutes, and make two grand. And well, the beauty is there's more room to grow, right? Like oh. you get good at it, and you can hire a team, you can yeah, deploy your team. There's so much room you to grow. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I love what you do, man. I love you personally. I really appreciate you doing this podcast. So I love uh, you, man. If I can I love send any traffic here. your way, I'll put a link in the in the show notes. I'll yeah. put a link on my website. Anything I can do to send more people your way. So yeah, you can someone if someone's sitting on that couch or someone I, listen, if you were looking to become a closer or you're already a coach, a consultant, you're like, I want to get better, definitely put the link in there. If you want, come to Kavon.com. Come find me. We'll, we'll, we'll get you suited. Hire we'll, this man. Yeah. Hire this man. All right. Love you, kid. Well, yeah, awesome. 
Wow, what a story from Kayvon K. If you want to learn more about what he's doing, you want to be a closer, you think you could use his services, head over to Kayvon.com and generally just follow this guy. He's amazing. So thanks for listening to the very first episode. If you like what you heard, you know the drill. Please go subscribe. Please review on iTunes. And a new episode will be dropping next Wednesday. See you then.